The loaves and fishes. <clears throat> I would draw this. I, I would draw this homily this Sunday, where we have a timeless miracle described in the Gospel and in the Old Testament, and I have to try to rest a unique and interesting perspective, maybe even something new to think about, from a story that's been explained and re-explained by men throughout the ages who were, were and are far more competent than I to take on such a task. But I digress. Where to go with this miracle? As I prayed and thought about it throughout the week, I kept returning to the idea of God's grace. That idea was that God's grace isn't hard to find, isn't small, isn't hidden. I'm aware of that assertion that the writers of the Gospels most likely picked and chose what stories to include, selecting the most spectacular and certainly the most relevant miracles, especially the ones that tie Jesus back to the prophets of old, like we hear from Ezekiel in the first reading. So if you just take a sampling of the miracles we have from the Gospels, we have Jesus raising people from the dead. We have the faithful being cured just by touching his cloak. We have demons driven out by his word. We have turning water into wine, healing thousands of sick people. The list goes on and on and on, and so much so that this very Gospel, the Gospel of John, towards the end, 21-25, tells us, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. God's grace isn't small. It's not held back. It's not reserved. It's not hidden. We're not on a treasure hunt of sorts for God's grace. That overwhelming, generous grace is still present to us. All we have to do is ask for it, accept it. Be willing to sacrifice our own will and our own pride to let that grace in. And I guess that's probably the hardest task of all. I started digging around to that concept of God's overwhelming grace and my own refusal to accept it during this week's uh, 33-day Marian devotion on Wednesday. And what I discovered was that in my own spiritual journey is that God's grace is so massive, so powerful, so overwhelming, I can only take it in small doses. Imagine that the creator of the cosmos, who keeps billions, trillions of galaxies running, who keeps all of creation moving, who keeps material existence existing, is concerned about me, is concerned about you, us tiny little beings. Some of us more tiny than others, but us tiny little beings. We're made in his image and we're spinning around on one planet in the midst of countless octillions of planets. That's a power that no matter how we try to imagine it, we come up short. We can't grasp that concept of infinity or of eternity because we don't think in those terms. I've said it before, our lives are finite, linear. It's got a beginning and an end. Whereas God is the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega, the unmoved mover. So again, that's a level of grace that I, as a saint in training, as it were, cannot handle outright. Jesus knew this because he knows the Father and he knows the prophets of the Old Testament. 
The Old Testament tells us in Isaiah 55, 9, that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So as I was reflecting on that further, I started wondering if that isn't why Jesus gave us sacraments. If that's not why Mother Church insists on us receiving those sacraments. From my perspective, it's a whole lot easier to focus on that consecrated body of Christ in the form of a piece of bread. Whether I'm in adoration, receiving the Eucharist. It's tangible to me. It localizes that grace, that overwhelming grace that I receive from the sacrament. When I receive it faithfully, when I receive it with a clean heart, when I'm in a state of grace from having gone to confession. Speaking of confession, the tangible nibble of God's grace, that overwhelming grace brought down for us to hear the words of a priest spoken by a priest ringing in our ears. Through the ministry of the church, may God give you pardon and peace, and I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How beautiful in a stark reality and poignantness, I absolve you from your sins. That's what he says as a reminder some of y'all haven't been there in a while. Just look at the sacraments, how they involve our bodies, our minds, our emotions. Bringing God's grace to us in human being size pieces. Things we use or see or every day and can understand. Connecting us with God and creation and spirit and grace. So the big question that remains today and every day really. Why don't we take advantage of it? Why does Father have to offer confession only for 30 minutes on Saturdays? Why do people present themselves to receive the most holy body and blood of Jesus Christ knowing they're not in a state of grace? Knowing they've not been to confession in years? Knowing they're questioning their belief in the true presence? Or worse, knowing that they disagree with the church on something, teaching, doctrine, dogma, and thereby making themselves dissident Catholics. Why do we do baptisms when parents and godparents make a promise to God and the church to raise their children Catholic and bring them to CCE, promise that they themselves will continue to learn about their faith through adult education or something similar, and we never see them again? Why do so many teenagers, myself included, leave the faith after they're confirmed? After they checked all the boxes they need to check through their sacraments. Is God's grace not enough? Are these tangible bites of cosmic glory somehow unfulfilling? Are we never satisfied? What is going on? I would maintain that God's grace is plenty. In fact, it's way too much for most of us to handle. But for whatever reason, lack of teaching, lack of faith on our part, we fail to pass that zeal and yearning for grace on and fail to allow that grace to permeate and penetrate our families by living as Catholic Christians on a day-to-day basis. I think we've allowed snarkiness and gossip and bad feelings, irritations, addictions, unrepented sinfulness, or whatever else to get in the way. And it blocks that grace from passing to our spouses, our children, 
our grandchildren, our friends. How else can they know the tangible aspect of grace if they don't see its effects in our daily lives with regular daily mass, regular confession? How can they see those effects? In my mind, we're all just, well, we are, we are described, not in my mind. Officially, we are described. All of us here is the church militant. That means that we're one third of the mystical body of Christ here still on earth in a war against sin and Satan and demonic forces. We are the church militant. The question is, are we? Are we really? Do we feel militant in our faith? Are we willing to stand up to our spouses, our children, our grandchildren, our friends, and invite them to participate in this war for souls? Emboldened and fortified by God's overwhelming grace within the sacraments. Assured and reassured in our divine duty by the Blessed Mother and, our, and the saints. Are we willing to be that guy at parties who never gets invited back because all we want to do is talk about our religion and whether or not we've been living up to our commission as warriors for our faith. Are we willing to risk relationships with our family, our friends, in order to fight for the truth? Jesus tells, you, tells us in Matthew 10, 21, that brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. That is being militant in one's faith. That is opening oneself fully to God's grace and letting it fill one's soul. It fills that soul with purpose, with intention, with devotion, with desire for unity with God's will, with rejection of worldly treasures. And it infuses us with a burning desire for the hereafter and life eternal. That's what being militant in one's faith means. So as my shameless plug, I'd like to invite all you guys to join this path of militancy with me. Wednesdays at 530, right here in the church for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Also this week on Friday, the first Friday, 7 p.m. here in the church for adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. That's how we start uniting our will to God's will. It's an opportunity to have our faith strengthened through the Blessed Mother and our lives changed. Just as those 5,000 had their faith in Jesus assured with the loaves and fishes, we can have the same through adoration and a devotion to our Blessed Mother. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.